Podcasting from Heroes Media Group with real, relevant, and raw opinions. This is the College Sports Hour with your host, Clint McPherson, and co-host, Greg Dixon. What's up, guys? You're listening to Episode 4 of the College Sports Hour, and we'll be talking about what went down during Week 5 of college football. I'm your host, Clint, and I'm sitting here with co-host Greg. On this episode, we'll be talking about how the Top 25 fared over the weekend, who took care of business, who didn't take care of business, how many of those upsets or losses impact their seasons moving forward, and address any final thoughts we might have from Week 5. We'll also talk about the new Top 25 rankings that came out today, highlight some important week six matchups and address who we have on upset alert heading into week six. So without further ado, what's up, my man? Hey, hey guys. How's everybody doing? Fantastic, man. I am doing well. Had a great week, man. Had a great weekend of college football. Excited to talk about it, man. Clint, how you doing today? I'm doing good, brother, man. It was it. I've had a great weekend. I've been ever since our last episode and all these articles we're pushing out. I'm just excited that we're actually getting the swing of things, and I'm looking forward to keep this thing rolling, man. Yeah, man, I'm hearing some good feedback from some people that are dropping in and checking out the uh, podcast. It sounds like they're enjoying it. We are still hitting our rhythm on this end, too, man, trying to feel everything out, getting a good uh, uh, platform ready to go, man, pushing out those articles on our website. And, uh, man, it's but it's been a lot of fun. Excited to talk some more this week about some college football. Yeah, man, without a doubt. Like, Check it out, guys. If you didn't catch – the, this is episode four. Um, like I said at the beginning, and if you haven't, um, if you're not up to date on on what we've done so far, we've we're, we've recorded three episodes. We teamed up with Heroes Media Group. Um, everything has been put in the pipeline. We're currently waiting on our RSS feed so we can throw it on iTunes, Spotify, and all those different channels, um, which will be great. But right now, just bear with us. We're going to be uploading everything to YouTube. We'll be uploading everything to our website at collegesportshour.com. We'll also um heroes media group on their end will be uploading it to their website so you can you can check it up there under shows and it'll be college sports hour so i appreciate everybody tuning in thanks to friends and family for um and i'm sure man everybody is giving on my end good feedback and it's good to hear that people are actually tuning in and liking what we're doing yeah, man, I had uh, had somebody that dropped in and took a listen. I was talking to them a little bit earlier today, man. I was talking to them. They dropped in and gave it a listen, and, uh, man, they really enjoyed it as well. And they're not even really a college sports fan. They just dropped in to, take, to check it out, and they were really impressed as well. So I'm excited. I know you're excited, and, man, we're ready to dive in and get a little bit deeper into this college sports world. Yeah, let's do it, man. So college football, guys, week five, and it was filled with all kinds of interesting matchups. Like we we talked about last episode whenever we were coming into it, you know, we usually close the segment talk, talking about the upcoming games. And so it had it all. Again, there were some big, there were some huge math, matchups. And there was also some, you know, several upsets and exciting finishes throughout the week. You know, this week right here really had everything that you were looking for in a college football weekend. It had dominating games. It had nail-biting games. It had games that were filled with drama. It had upsets. It had dominating performances by some of your top teams in the nation. So it was it had a, really a lot for everybody to really uh, sink their teeth into for this coming week. Yeah, and, and so the week really started off uh, on Thursday night. So that Thursday night game on September 27th, we had Miami, the Canes versus UNC. What is going on over here in North Carolina with that UNC Tar Heels team, man? Well, first of all, everybody knows that I'm a Duke fan, so that means that I cheer for anybody but the UNC. Uh, so, man, ain't, ain't no way I, I even, you know, can't even pretend to like anything about Carolina. But in all honesty, man, they are struggling like crazy this year. Um, man, they came in this season, had a, you know, had some really tough losses and had some really ugly performances, if we're honest. I mean, everything looked good. And this past Thursday night was another ugly performance that came into play. Uh, uh, we, were, we mentioned it last week about wondering when Miami was going to break back into that, uh, that the old team that they had last year, if Mark Rick was going to be able to get that defense to playing. And, uh, man, it looks like they really had a, a timely matchup with those Tar Heels from Chapel Hill, man, because they are not playing well this year, and it played right into Miami's favor. That turnover chain was in full effect. They had six turnovers. They scored three touchdowns off of those turnovers. 
the offensive stats for Miami, they really didn't even have to put any up because they really didn't. If you go look at it, yardage-wise, wasn't much there. I mean, you had Perry, you know, taking that QB1 position. We were talking about that last week, you know, over over the the guy that started on the year. Um, and we were just waiting to see what he had because Mark Rick pulled the trigger, went with the second-string second quarterback. He's the QB1 now going forward. He, he wasn't asked to do much. He, he managed the game. He kept them out of trouble, didn't turn the ball over. And Miami, like I said, that, that turnover chain was in full effect, and I kind of got tired of seeing it. Well, <laughs> I'm sure you as an FSU fan really don't want to see Miami doing well at all, and you don't want to see that turnover chain come out. Uh, but let's, uh, let's put this in perspective as well. When your defense scores 21 points, your offense really doesn't have to do a whole lot because you can tell that the other team's offense isn't doing a whole lot either. Uh, and when their final score, and when the other opposing team only puts up 10 points and your defense outscored their offense, that's saying something about that team as well. But, you know, you, you pull the trigger midseason like this and bringing in a, the backup quarterback to, to begin stirring the, uh, steering the ship, you're really making a decision for the remainder of the season. So, uh, man, you were you're wondering if Perry could come in and really handle uh, the expectations that were going to be there. And, man, this was the perfect game for him to come in, get his feet wet, get himself settled in there, and really begin to uh, build a strong foundation for the remainder of the season for a Miami team that really does still have a lot of expectations going, going through the remainder of this year. Yeah, and, and heading into this coming weekend, man, uh, you know, they're they're facing it's a rivalry game, Miami versus Florida State. So that's gonna be huge. That you know, that breaking in the new quarterback, they can still they can report back to the QB one that started the year. But Florida State pulling off that win against Louisville, who knows if they've actually turned around. They actually looked horrible throughout that entire game. There were some bright <laughs> there there were some bright spots. I mean, DeAndre Francois. He, you know, he he put some good numbers up. Have four touchdown passes. They pulled away at the end. Thank goodness for Louisville's mistake as far as not trying to milk the clock or run it out because that's all they had to do. They had a first down. They threw an interception. First down. They they're it's like they're going for the kill shot when they already had the kill shot in place. They had a, <laughs> according to ESPN at the time the tracker ninety nine percent chance of winning that game. So and and the other one percent was them just managing the clock correctly. They decided to throw it. FSU gets a pick, drives down the field, and scores a touchdown. And and, and so it's going to set it up nicely for ne- this coming weekend, Miami versus FSU. Well, if, you, if you're a Seminole fan, man, you're really hoping that this team can uh, begin to rally a little bit here, having uh, having built up a little momentum off of this win now and, you know, coming in, coming in and being able to play a team that you're right. It is a rivalry game. You know that everybody's going to be up for this game. You know that there's going to be a lot of excitement surrounding the game. Even even if one team isn't doing so hot or anything like that, it's still a rivalry game, man. They're still going to be playing strong, playing hard. And this will be a really good game uh, for, for, for Taggart to come in there and see what, you know, what he's really putting into play as far as game plans are concerned and how good of a motivator he can be. No, exactly. I think if they can pull that one off, it's going to be, you know, it, 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 w- it would show that, you know, they are taking steps in the right direction. They have a long ways to go. They have a good run defense right now. That Their secondary is just in shambles, man. I don't know uh, what's going on, but good thing there's going to be uh, an inexperienced quarterback you know, for, for Miami taking the reins during that game, hopefully with Perry. And so maybe, maybe we'll have a chance, but let's transition to Saturday, man. Let's go with it. Um, September 29th. Let's start with the number one team in the nation. They rolled Louisiana, obviously. And then, oh boy, Tua again, QB one for a reason goes eight for eight, 128 yards, two touchdowns. They yank him, put Hertz in and he does, you know, and, and I think they actually played three quarterbacks in that game. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's not, there's not really a whole lot to say about this game. Alabama was supposed to steamroll Louisiana. They did. Uh, everybody, you know, for the most part, everybody for Alabama played like they were supposed to. They did what they needed to do, and they move on to another week. Well, no doubt, man. And so we go to number two, Georgia, playing against Tennessee. So obviously Georgia wins 38-12. to 12. You look at the score. It, again, it seems like their offense sputters from time to time. Their defense is still there. It wasn't a good Tennessee team, you know, playing. Tennessee did kind of play them, you know, competitively in, around the first first half, maybe you can say. But again, uh, Georgia is number two for a reason. Jake Fromm goes out, does pretty good manage the game. Didn't have any, you know, any crazy stats. Didn't have a touchdown pass, but he didn't turn the ball over either. 
Well, I mean, and you know, hey, they they ran the ball pretty effectively. Uh, did the Bulldogs in this game? Uh, this is the second weekend in a row, though, that they're that they have been a slow starter on that on on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Fromm did have two fumbles. Luckily, they were able to recover uh, those fumbles on uh, that the Bulldogs did, so they didn't really hurt them or anything like that. Uh, that that score got away from uh, got away from Tennessee there towards the end. I think the game was a little bit closer than what that final score suggests. Uh, I gotta say. If you're going to be a national contender that's going to be able to play uh, Alabama in that SEC championship game, Georgia's got to start looking a little bit better than what they currently are right now. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly on that one. The, if right now, like we were talking about, Alabama is a well-oiled machine, and Duke or Duke Georgia cannot sputter on offense on the offensive side of going against that team, uh, especially if they want to the hang with them in the game or have a chance. Absolutely. And don't worry, we'll get to Duke a little bit later on today. Yeah, man. I, Duke's <laughs> on my mind. Epic fell on that. But let's 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 transition to Clemson. This yeah. this was one of the biggest surprises to me over the weekend because I did a Facebook live on Friday night. Mm-hmm. People were asking about um, you know, is Syracuse gonna pull up upset off? I watched Syracuse personally celebrate like they won the Super Bowl oh after defeating Florida State. You know, what it, it didn't it didn't get under my skin at all as a fan. I know it did to a lot of of uh, no nation, but it was one sure. of those things, man. Is is like me watching that kind of make me giggle because I was like, they they feel like they've arrived. It, it was almost like the same thing NC State did last year. They beat a, a struggling Florida State team, and and they celebrated, you know, like it was th- their bowl game. It was their national championship. And I really after, so after watching that, I really thought coming into the game and all the adversity that Clemson was facing during during the actual week. That you know it it was going to be a it was going to be in cruise control for Clemson because I thought they were going to be well prepared coming into this matchup, but then we get into the huge you know Syracuse actually had this game they were in control the entire time leading into the fourth quarter. Well, let's uh you know let's certainly call out you know some stuff that was happened in this game as well. You got Trevor Lawrence in there who, you know, had been named as a starting quarterback going into this game. And we talked we touched on that a little bit in our last in our last podcast from last week. And then he gets injured. He gets a concussion. He gets knocked out of the game. And so uh, they have to bring in their backup quarterback to run it. And in that first half, man, uh, he, you know, he couldn't get anything going. There wasn't a whole lot of rhythm there. Second half, he began to turn things around. But there is something that, you know, I, I wanted I wanted to mention on as a part of this game as well. Uh, you know, you got Trevor Lawrence going in there uh, starting, and he had just been named the starter when we recorded last week. And so then the news came out last week that Kelly Bryant, the former starting quarterback, was going to transfer. And, I, you know, I heard the reports. I, I saw the quotes and different things like that that were coming through about the things that he was saying that he felt like he didn't get a fair shake or that he felt like it was a slap in the face to take the starting job away from him and give it to Trevor Lawrence. So I wanted to take a quick moment to comment on that. Look, I think he has every right to transfer if that's what he wants to do. If he wants to do, if he feels like that's what's in the best interest of him, his family, his future, and he wants to move forward, he wants to have an opportunity to start somewhere else, fine. You've got that opportunity to do that. I don't like some of the comments that he made about the coaching staff, about Dabo Smith, about not getting a fair shake. Hey, man, you go in there and you play and you show what you got. You had you started the first, what was it, three games of the season, first four games of the season, and then exactly. you got and then you got yanked and then you got pulled out and then they gave it to – they didn't give it to Trevor Lawrence. He went in there and earned it. It wasn't like he walked in there and was like day one, okay, this guy's a starter, Kelly Bryant. you got to go take a back seat. You had the opportunity to hold on to the job, to win the job fair and square, and you didn't do it. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. You weren't the best quarterback on the team. That is not like the world's biggest problem or anything like that. You choose to transfer, that's fine. Go on somewhere else. But you ain't got to beat up on the coaching staff on your way out. That helped make you into the player that you are today. Let's not kid ourselves here. You know, that coaching staff, Dabo Sweeney and his guys, man, they put a game plan together for you that would be really, really good and helped you, and you helped them, man. It was a it was a nice little match, man. You made it into the college playoff last year. It was good. It's okay for you to now move on if that's what you choose to do. But you ain't got to slap them on the way out. Oh man, I'm totally with you on that. And, and the thing is, even though they named Trevor Lawrence the my understanding, after, even after the, they named him QB one, it was one of the, the door was still open because it, oh, yeah. it's almost in the same position as Alabama's in. I mean, even though Tua has a pretty firm hold on that one, if he starts slipping or declining in any way, uh, Saban's not going to bat an eye at Perton Hurts in because he knows what he's capable of doing. So they left the door open. But what I wanted to tell, and to caveat into what you were saying, 
a lot of people don't know, and, and to all our listeners out there, the quarterback that helped them lead or, or led Clemson to help lead Clemson to come back, even though Eton or however you pronounce that running back for, for Clemson, <laughs> right. I mean, 203 yards, three touchdowns. He's really what really brought them back. That offensive line was blocking for him. He was picking up chunks of yardage. Syracuse was gas towards in that game. But this guy, even though he was a str- second string coming into this week because of all the crazy musical quarterbacks they were playing, this guy, over a, a little over a month ago, he was sitting in the fourth-string QB slot. So wow. that's crazy to know that a fourth-string quarterback actually had his chance because of what happened with Trevor Lawrence with the concussion, Kelly Bryant, you know, actually deciding to walk away from the team. Basically, I I look at it as a, he turned his back. I sure. know what Kelly Bryant's capable of doing. I got it. He that that's your right to make that decision but to, i got it he felt like it was a slap in his face but dabo dabo sweeney is one of the most down-to-earth guys he he's straightforward and i can't see how you can walk out the door talk bad about that coaching staff especially you know i know he treated kelly bryant like a son man and the way he talks about that guy he has nothing but respect for kelly bryant and for him to talk about him like that that just kind of soured my taste. And I know, and even I think after that, Dabo was like, the door is still open. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Kid, kid can still play. And, and who wouldn't want the door to still be open for this kid to walk back in? Because <laughs> no, no telling how many weeks he's going to actually miss if he misses sure. extended time. I don't know the extent of the injury, but it, man, having Chase Bryce, I, he's not going to be their solution to lead them no. to a national championship. No. But the dude stepped up. I don't yep. know if you saw them convert on that fourth down, fourth and six, I believe it was. Yep. And he throws a dart and perfect. I mean, I was my jaw dropped. Basically, I had to pick it up off the floor. But I was like, the guy had his moment. He capitalized on it. And Clemson ended up pulling this game out. They uh, they really got that running game going as well. Ran for over 200 yards in the game. So uh, I mean they were they did really really well there. Able to stage a great comeback. Look, nobody I don't I don't think a lot of people expected that game to be that close. Yes, Syracuse was coming in undefeated at that point, but you know as you alluded to earlier, man, they really hadn't played anybody of a of real strength, of real substance. So this was going to be a great test for them. And yeah, it was close, but Clemson was able to pull it off, and it keeps them undefeated and keeps them moving forward in that national championship game hunt or national playoff hunt. And so we have to wait and see. I, you know, you're right. I heard I had heard the same thing that the coaching staff would say. You know, they still would welcome Kelly Bryant back. What's he going to do? It hasn't been made official that he's going to transfer. How long is Trevor Lawrence going to be out? You know, what's all that going to be? And so there's a lot of question marks surrounding Clemson right now. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things, man. A lot of people don't even like Clemson sitting in the five position after after seeing what they did against Syracuse. I'm with a lot of these remarks, okay. They stormed the field after being Syracuse, but – but a lot goes behind that. A lot of people yeah. don't know what I just threw out there. And knowing exactly. that, you win with a four-string quarterback, at basically, I mean, let's, let's be real. He's second string coming in this week. Got it. You can put whatever um, fixings you want on that. But let's be real. A month ago, he was a four-string quarterback. He let, helped lead them to a victory. Dabo Sweeney said he's never been more happy than a team in his life. Clemson always has one of these games where this was the game that they typically lose. You right. know, to Pittsburgh. Or somebody bites them that you know nobody foresees happening. Which I, again, I was like, "There's no way Syracuse wins this." They almost pulled it off, but Clemson had that game. They might have another few along the way, but if they make that playoff, that defense will be ready. Dabo's going to be ready, and his team will be well prepared. Absolutely, agree, hundred percent. So let's let's go. One uh, the game, man, the game that I was just a firm believer of Ohio State just having that offensive firepower. The Penn State Nittany Lions starting off slow every game that I've basically watched them. And yes, I I had some comments of individuals saying, you know, that was the level of competition, you know, Penn state really kicked in the high gear in the second half, but man, the exact opposite happened in this game. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Penn state jumps out to a, uh, to a lead right there in, uh, in the first half of the game. And you're, and, and Ohio State can't get the ball moving at all. I mean, they're, 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 all the all the uh, hoopla surrounding their quarterback at Haskins, and a lot of people I had heard saying that they felt like that he was the best player in the country right now uh, was the quarterback uh, for Ohio State. And, uh, man, it certainly didn't look that way in the first half. I got to tell you this, though, uh, man, 
that stadium looked phenomenal with their whiteout, man. That is a that is an insane look for that for that crowd. I mean, you know that they were pumped. You know yes. they were re- they were hyped, ready to go in there and ready to really ready to prove to the nation they deserve to be in the top ten. Hey, uh, I gotta I gotta be honest with you, man. I hadn't been sold on Penn State. Uh, you know, going in going into this game, I, I really didn't feel like that they ha- they were gonna be able to hold a whole lot there for Ohio State. But um, I I, I have more respect for them now coming out of this loss than I did with them coming in undefeated. Um, to be honest with you. Right. I mean, I, I'm with you on that. James Franklin really owned this game. And what was that play, that last play? What? <laughs> that's, that's what you come up with. You take the ball basically out of the best player in your team, yeah. which was Trace, which was Tracy McSorley, just dominating um, you know, on, on his side, throwing the ball and running the ball. He really carved that Ohio State team up. But I mean and what I want to go back to was the first half, though. Okay. Ohio State really struggled. Haskins was, you know, he was out of rhythm most of the majority of the game and towards the end. Yep. But that that score right before halftime, yep. when Penn State was up thirteen to nothing, and them actually, you know, I, I believe it was they forced a turnover, mm-hmm. scored. But that going in half and thirteen to seven was really, I think, the momentum, you know, kind of started shifting there and helped catapult Ohio State to this win. Oh, no doubt. And so, I mean, I, I, I guess it kind of goes to show you that, you know, even though there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of commotion surrounding the quarterback, and because, so, I mean, he's going to put up the numbers. The quarterback is the most celebrated position in football, whether it's college or professional. But, man, it takes the entire team, and that defense really had to step up and hold their own there in that first half before so that their offense could begin clicking there in that second half. And it wasn't like that they started putting in a barn burner once the second half started. I mean, it was still, you know, as, as you mentioned, man, it came down to the last – to the last play of the game. I mean, they got a uh, they got a drive there, and they scored that the, what would end up being the winning touchdown with two minutes left to go in the game. And so Penn State still had a chance to march down the field and 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 win. But I'm with you, man. You got a fourth and five, fourth and six right there, and you choose to and you choose to run the ball on that. And I'm not saying that running the ball in that particular situation is is the worst possible call. But the way that the play called that it looked like it was being just a run it up the middle, man. Ohio State looked like they were in the offensive huddle. I mean, they, there was three players in the backfield that made him. it wasn't even close. I mean, they made him three yards deep in the backfield. It was like they knew what the play was before it ever happened. Yeah, man. I just right there, you got to ask James what was going through his mind, man, and or whoever made that decision. I mean, really, at the end of the day, I know Coach James Franklin owned up to it and said that that last play was on me. Sure. Um, but that's a good leader too. That's a good head coach right there. That doesn't put the blame anywhere else. Puts it squarely on him and says, "Hey, that's me." Oh, without a doubt, man. And, and I, I really, after hearing his press conference shortly after the game and him owning it and him putting it on him and saying, you know, his 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 Penn State and Indian Lions are great, but they're not elite like Ohio State is. And but I mean, dude, when you say that, I'm, I was like, I was with him, but at the same time, man, his team is right there. They sure. lose by one point. They were winning the the. They were actually dominating. They dominated the first half. Which I didn't see happening. I thought I thought Ohio State was going to come out throwing bows. They were going to score so fast yep. at the beginning that Penn State wouldn't have been able to really make it a game in that second. But it was like I said, it was totally the opposite. And and I really I think in that fourth quarter, I think Penn State scored one more time, and I was like, man, Ohio State doesn't have a chance. But then next thing you know, it just it clicked. The quarterback Hashkins was was connecting. The running game, they popped some big runs. The things that weren't there at the beginning, it seemed like Penn State just had some mental lapses there, and that re- was really what what bit them at the, in the end. Hey, let's uh, you know, and I think at the same time, I, you know, we had been you know leading up to this week, we had been really singing the praises of Ohio State and you know talking about how good they looked. And yeah, they didn't look, they did not look good uh, in this game. Didn't never at no point in time that they ever really looked great, but they still won the game. They were able to hang in there. They were able to come back and and and. and win a game that we felt everybody felt like well not everybody but most people felt like they should win and some people felt like they should dominate but they were able to get this way to go into a very hostile environment go into a go into a stadium man where man it was electric and come out of there with a win and so any way that you can do that man you should keep right on moving yeah man I, i'm i'm with you on that 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 right there going actually getting that win you know ohio state going in there and pulling and, and coming away you just it was one of those things that it, it happened. I, I think I, in my predictions, I had this coming down to the, at the last minute. You know, I thought it was going to come down to a field goal, yep. a special teams, you know, a block punt, something. But the way it happened, it it was just it was one of those games at the end that you were glued to to your seat. 
it was a pleasure to watch. And and I would personally, I know Penn State fell in this game. I kind of don't like that. I got it. You know, they're number sitting at number nine, but they went, you know, bat to bat with these guys. Sure. Took them to the end. They, if anything, I think they should move up and, and jump some of these teams that are still undefeated because of the way they perform against Ohio State. Hey, man, I know we got to move on into some other games here, but, you know, something else to think about here is that uh, hey, looking at Ohio State and looking at the rest of their season, I mean, who else are they really going to play, the, you know, going, going towards the rest of the season? I mean, they're going to play a Michigan team that, as we're going to talk about in a few minutes, hasn't looked good or anything like that. They're going to play Michigan State, which nobody's really impressed with there. So, I mean, they've kind of, in, in my opinion, man, they've suffered the toughest part of their schedule so far this year uh, before you get into, you know, start getting into some college playoffs and stuff like that. I mean, they, you know, they took care of TCU. They're, you know, they, they were able to get past Penn State. I don't know that there's a whole lot left there to really uh, trip them up as long as they play like they're supposed to play. I agree, man. Let's switch over to number five, LSU, taking on Ole Miss. This was one of the ones I knew you were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Remember on the podcast last week, I was like, this might be the upset, the vertical pass game, <laughs> Ole Miss. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I don't know if I had a little bit of drink and I don't drink, but it felt like that coming out of my mouth was like, dude, you're drunk. And LSU basically dominated this game. Um, from the beginning, Jay Bur- Joe Burrow just still looking good, looking comfortable at that QB1 slot. Yeah. And uh, Coach O has this team playing some good ball right now. Absolutely. Running the ball and passing the ball, man, they just dominated. Okay, Oklahoma, man. This was a lot – people were tell- trying to say that Baylor was going to hang with them, that Baylor has a decent offense. Obviously, the score, Oklahoma winning 66-33. to <laughs> But let's talk about Kyler Murray for one second. All right, so surprise! one of the surprises at the very beginning of Saturday, Kyler Murray doesn't start. He doesn't come out there on the field with his team. We learned that it looks like it was a little bit of disciplinary action, that maybe he had showed up late or something like that. I'm not exactly sure on what the details he were. Missed a, he missed a meeting. Missed showed a meeting. Up late, yeah. Okay, missed a meeting, showed up late. So he doesn't start the first series, and uh, uh, we learned really quickly why he's the starter <laughs> for Oklahoma. Um, and then um, let's just say that he prepared to show everybody in the nation why he is the starter for the Oklahoma Sooners as he went absolutely nuts on that field Saturday. Stat line, you're, you're sitting there like, is this real? Yeah, 17 for 21, <laughs> 432, six touchdowns, and then he also added a rushing touchdown to that. Ridiculous. So he had seven TDs on the weekend. Oklahoma, offensively, Baylor didn't stand a chance. And obviously Oklahoma goes out there and puts the, these gaudy numbers up. And Kyler Murray is for real. So so for those of you that want a little peek behind the curtain here, uh, pretty much every week, Clint comes up with our kind of our rundown sheet for us about what we're going to talk about in the order that we're going to talk about it. And um, and we kind of insert some comments here and there. Uh, And he threw the stats up there for us. And and I was looking at Kyler Murray's stats. And I knew that he had played a really good game. I know that he had scored seven touchdowns. But then he ran across the 17 for 21 for 432 yards. And I looked at him and I said, hey, is that is that a typo? I mean, is there something wrong? I, I didn't think that that was right. He threw 17 passes that were caught. So he threw 21 total, connected on 17 of them. And those went for 432 yards. PlayStation numbers. What? Like, I don't even those know that I've like, done that on PlayStation. <laughs> Xbox. Like, I remember. Oh, you play it on easy. You can easily get 17 <laughs> for 21, 432 yards. I'm like, man. I feel like I'm going like, back to Madden or something. Here we go. Cruise control. Oh, my God. That, that, yeah, that stat line that it makes you do a double take because you're like, really? He wasn't <laughs> 27 for 31, you know, for 4 for 32? No, he was 17 for 21. I mean, you're seeing people connect on 17 or 20 passes, and you're getting like maybe 150 or 175 yards out of that. I mean, they're doing the deep dinking and dunking all over the field. This joker connected on 17 passes for 432 yards. Give me a break, man. Go, go sit down. Go drink you some lemonade or something like that. Call it a day, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, man. Right now, he's legitimately a, fr- a front runner for that Heisman Trophy. He's putting these gaudy numbers up, and I think if he continues to roll like this, they have a big game coming up against Texas this weekend. Absolutely, college game day is going to be there. And if he, if he can even throw a stat line half that good up against this game in this game, I really think they have a good chance. Well, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What do you think about the Auburn game, man? The, the thing, the reason I want to talk, really touch on this, and it, just really quick, it, it seems like they just can't offense like Jalen struggle with Southern Miss. 
They're sitting at the number 10 spot. They continue to win. I got it. But they're just not looking that – even when they beat Washington, they still just haven't – don't look like they have it all together right now. I tell you, Auburn's one of those teams that I don't know that I can get a handle on. Um, I, I want I, I want to believe, I want to think that they're, you know, that they're deserving of that top 10 ranking. And, yeah, their record would indicate that. But they I don't know if they're playing down to competition or they're going to keep it right there level. I don't know if they know who they are as far as the identity of their team, what they're trying to to what they're trying to do first. I mean, it looks like they're trying to be a run first team. But at the same time, man, it's just like I, I don't know. I don't I don't know who they are. Yeah, and what I and a little bit of the rumor mill right now, it just again before we move off of Auburn is, you know, if Kelly Bryant does decide to leave, I, I've heard his name thrown around going to Auburn, so him taking the red shirt, you know, yeah. basically for this year and being their QB one. Hopefully, again, he's going to have to compete with somebody, and he can't just think it's going to be given to him. But he could go to an Auburn team in the SEC, be and he can go compete, have a chance. But a man, him just turning his back. I don't know if I could bring somebody in, even though he he's a he's a good kid. I got it. He's a good story. But man, you know, you just turning your back on 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 the team that you know you've done with, and you have a good culture there, I believe. And I don't know if me as an Auburn coach would be like, come on in, welcome you with open arms. But hey, it's his decision, man. Yeah, very much so. And but there's another team out there that's been been. I think there's several teams that are rumored about him, but there's another team in the top 25 uh, that's rumored to have him as uh, to have an inside shot on him as well, and that is uh, the NC State Wolfpack. Ooh, so we'll see how that plays out. So let's move on to a game you predicted. Can we not that, talk about this game? I just Please, wanna, I don't want to talk reason, about this game. The reason I had to throw this in there is because I, I was like, "There's no way, man." Again, I still say that I'm not sold on this Washington team. But I knew that this BYU team, even though they had that huge win earlier in the year, I just I didn't see it happening, and they did not perform well. And Washington took that one easily, 35-7. All right, so if any of our listeners want to go back to last week's podcast, you can go back and you can listen to the fact that as we were talking about the Washington game, I said, okay, I'm not going to pull – I'm not going to you know pick against Washington anymore. I'm, a, I'm, I'm proven at this point. I believe in the Washington Huskies now. Um, at least to a certain extent. And then came time for predictions. And I looked at this game, and I looked at it backwards and forwards and ups and downs and everything else out about it. And I said, you know what? No, no, no. I'm going to go with B- BYU's got this game, man. They're going to they surprise everybody. They're deserving of that number 20 ranking right there, man. And you know what I learned about that game? I know nothing about college football. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 35 to 7. Are you kidding me? Jake Browning throwing the ball everywhere that he wants to go. There's another crazy stat line for you. Check this out. 23 of 25. Just stop there. The dude threw the ball 25 times and connected 23 times. He missed two passes the entire game. 277 yards, one touchdown. Maybe not as ridiculous as Murray in Oklahoma, but still, 23 of 25. You know what? Bury my head in the sand. Get get off of the Washington, you know, the BYU train. BYU's dead to me now. Uh, Washington Huskies, man, you know what? I'll say it a second week in a row. I'm, I'm behind you now, Maybe at least until I pick against you again. But right now, for today, I'm behind you. Yeah, I mean, Jake Browning was connecting with Aaron Fuller. Eight receptions, 107 yards. So it was one of those connections that he has. He has a good receiver over there. BYU just didn't stand a chance in this game. But I just wanted to make a little poke a little fun because yeah, you, appreciate that. You Run that my face while you're on the podcast, and, and I know we're yeah. going to do that from time to time and then flip. But it's all good, man. It, it was it was a little fun. So let's transition to the West Virginia Texas Tech game where yeah. on my Facebook Live, man, a lot of people. I did some research. West Virginia came into that game. Uh, points allowed. They're, they were they were tied for first in the nation at 12.3 for the year coming into this game. I knew Texas Tech's you know, freshman quarterback was on fire. He's been clicking. But Texas sixth-ranked defense coming into that game. So when I yep. saw West Virginia, I was like, there's no way Will Greer and his team is going to lose. And they put up 28 points in that first quarter. Didn't turn back. Texas Tech tried to crawl back into it like we talked about earlier. But it was just too little too late. Yeah, Texas Tech put in a little nice little run there in that fourth quarter, scoring some points to make it to make it close. But really, uh, I think you said it best. West Virginia probably took their foot off the gas there uh, towards the you know towards the second half of that game, and uh, you know it, yeah, it almost came back to bite them. But at the end of the day, 
man, they were they were prepared to play that game. They were prepared to win, to flex their muscle, show who they are. And I'm telling you what, man, West Virginia is making a nice little run here uh, up towards the up towards the top top fifteen, top ten. And uh, you know they're starting to prove the fact that they they were they were worthy of some of those conversations that would be had about them. Specifically, Will Greer and his ability to play that quarterback position. Uh, and man, he's 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 doing he's making the right moves. He's making the right decisions with the ball. He's doing playing really really well. Playing smart. And uh, yeah, Texas Tech's defense wasn't, you know, isn't a team that you're really going to compare, you know, your offense versus their defense. Your offense is usually going to win, but they're playing well. They're playing at a high level right now. And let's, hey, Texas Tech was ranked number 25 in the nation or uh, the top 25 in the nation. They had come off of a big win against uh, Oklahoma State uh, the previous week. So, I mean, you know, this was a good win for West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia is a good team. And again, coming at, coming out of their conference, it's, it's, it's been historically great offenses, Horrible defenses, but West Virginia has a defense good enough to to keep them in the top ten uh, yeah. the remainder of the year. And then I, I read an article earlier today, which made me laugh. Talking about will being an NFL quarterback playing in college right now, you know. So it was one of those things. <laughs> I thought it was funny, you know, because especially him, the way he played in that first half was just ridiculous. Um, but again, it's like, man, I don't know what it is with some of these teams. They get up huge. And then they they changed the way I got it. The defense makes adjustments. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it was one of those things that why? Why do you not why why does it have to change? I got it, you got a huge lead or whatever it is, but why why does it change to where let's take our foot off the the, the gas and we'll play to conserve the lead instead of going for the kill shot? Yeah, yeah. What's that old saying? You stop playing to win, and you stop uh, trying to. I mean, you don't want to lose. I don't. I forget how's it go. You might be. Maybe you remember how you don't. You don't play to win. You play not to lose. I think that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, that's ultimately what these teams do when they get up big. And man, it, it comes. In my experience, it comes back to hurt you more than it more than it does to help you most times. You know, without a doubt, brother. I totally agree. So let's transition. Number thirteen, Central Florida playing Pittsburgh. A lot of people were thinking this was a game that would bite um, Central Florida. They they're on a roll, man. They continue to win. They dominated this game for the beginning. I tell you what, man. The college football world better watch out because we're about to have back to back nationally proclaimed uh, national champions of UCF. <laughs> they're gonna go undefeated again and say they're the national champions again. They're gonna proclaim themselves again. Um, they're weird. I mean, they they wore Pittsburgh out. I mean, I don't even know what you say about this. Forty five to fourteen. Come on, seriously. Uh, they, what do you thanks a lot Pittsburgh <laughs> yeah McKinley Milton is just it, it is really making this it has taken this team to another level and I think as long as he's under under center they're going to continue to roll forward man yeah no doubt so the Michigan Northwestern game this was a shocker to me you know because I watched Northwestern play against Duke Duke completely manhandled Northwestern mm-hmm. and then Michigan I'm sitting here like this is not even gonna be a game and Northwestern had Michigan on the ropes the entire game until Shea Patterson in the in the running game for Michigan kicked on the high gear towards the end of that game. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, largest comeback in uh, Jim Harbaugh's college coaching career, seventeen points down, and they come back and they and they're able to win this game. I, I tell you what, man, I you know I. We were looking around. It's like I don't even want to pay attention to this game because Michigan's going to dominate Northwestern. It's not even really going to be a game. And the next thing I know, I'm looking around at the ticker, and North and Northwestern's got them on the ropes by 17. And I'm like, man, what in the world just happened to this game? How did this even happen? And uh, you know, yeah, Michigan came back and pulled it out. So you need to give them some credit there. But once again, man, I'm coming back looking at this team, and man, this Michigan team is not good. I mean, they're 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 not as good as everybody thought that they would be, including myself. Um, Patterson, I, you know, they thought that this would finally be the year that Harbaugh had a quarterback that that could run his system. I, that's not the case. I mean, that he's he's. I, I'm not saying that he's not quali- a quality quarterback. Cause, I mean, he's got to be some good. I mean, he's playing in the college ranks, playing for Michigan. But I mean, it's just not seeming to mesh well. This is not this is not a good year for the Wolverines. Yeah, I think. I mean, they're they're picking up the win. They're moving up in the rankings. They're. You know, Harbaugh, they're grinding these games out, though, and that's just not going to bode well, it, you know, trying to make the playoffs, you know, grinding out these games and having these, you know, you know, because stuff like this, when you're when you're trading, going back and forth and you're playing these close games, it really catches you. And then they're, not, they're just I don't see them playing on Alabama's level, a Georgia's level, a Clemson, you know, uh, besides this week. But it's one of those things that just Michigan is not a team I'm buying. 
until they get a good quarterback to run that system, or it could be Harbaugh holding them back. I don't know because it's like he's had people that like like you said, Shea Patterson bringing in coming in from Ole Miss. Everybody thought you know he's going to be able to run the system. He's a great quarterback now, but it's not panning out like you said, and I don't know what it's going to take. You know, uh, even going into the season, there were people who were starting to question whether or not Harbaugh was going to be on the hot seat this season if he didn't, if he didn't, you know, produce. And obviously, this is not going to be the season that they're going to produce. This is not the, so it does begin to bring into question. You know, how long is this? You know, Michigan man, as they as they were saying, as they finally got the guy they wanted to come in there and bring him back to the glory days. And uh, man, is it is is it time for us to start questioning whether or not Harbaugh's the right man for the job in Michigan? Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be it's going to be uh you know let's let the year play out and see what happens. So a team I'm buying right now uh, again, and I continue to talk about them because I sit here and watch them, Kentucky. And I'm not again, like I said, I'm not an SEC fan, right? But man, Coach Stoops and them Kentucky Wildcats have me believing right now. Watching what that defense is able to do and their running backs able to do the running games. You know, it's gonna they're gonna get their yards, obviously. Their quarterback is not going to put up gaudy numbers. But, man, they're actually – everybody thought coming into this game, everybody I've been talking to, oh, South Carolina is going to win this, Kentucky's going to – no. Kentucky, actually, their defense is really the story for me. Sure. Now, listen, I, I'm going to give you some credit here. You've been on the Kentucky bandwagon here for a couple of weeks now. It was two or three weeks ago that you were telling me, hey, you need to watch, we need to watch out for these Wildcats, man. They're playing, they're playing some good ball. And I don't know, I, you know, I think it's been probably 40, 50 years since anybody ever said that the Kentucky Wildcats were playing good football. But, I mean, here they are, man. They're, they're playing well. You're right. They're running the ball well. Um, defense is playing well. I, the quarterback needs a little bit of credit because, yeah, he's not going to put up any gaudy numbers or anything like that, but he's not making mistakes either. He is the he is doing exactly what he needs to do as far as putting his team in a position to win, whether it is making the right throw at the right time or making sure that he gets that ball securely to the running back and letting that running back do his thing. I mean, Benny Snell somebody that everybody needs to start paying attention to if they're not already because he is running the ball. And he does, man, I, I, something about his running style, it's not like this this finesse. I mean, he he runs he runs precise and he's waiting for those blockers to get the, the, to kind of be in the position they're ready to be in. He's patient back there looking for those holes. And then when he goes, he is gone through those holes. Man, I, I'm totally with you on that. I can see Benny actually playing on Sundays. So they just keep this going. Again, I don't I don't buy Kentucky going, you know, and, and making a lot of noise when it comes to the playoff. But, man, they're, they're surprising a lot of people. And I think just – I don't know my, care what the rest of the season ends up for them. They're doing everything you can ask right now. They're yeah. a surprise team. I don't think anybody envisioned this happening other than maybe them right. believing in themselves. But, I mean, like I said, Benny Snell, you're somebody you're going to have to watch out for. And I'm, Again, I think he's going to be in there Sunday. So, the Texas-Kansas State game. Again, I, I, it's hard for me because I'm like, man, I want to lean Texas. I want to be on this bandwagon, this this momentum train, whatever they, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but they jump out to a pretty decent lead against Kansas State, and they almost let Kansas State back in this game. So is that going to breed disaster going to the Red Rock? You know, is it going the Red River rivalry? Is it going to you know College Game Day is going to be there? Is that momentum enough to carry them against somebody that's putting up PlayStation numbers in in Kyler Murray? Okay, so for me, I'm going to give Texas a little bit of a pass on this game. And the reason that I'm going to do that is because they just came off of two huge wins, uh, beating Southern Cal and then also beating TCU, uh, kind of putting them in a great position. They got the they got the big game coming up this week. So this right here was that perfect trap game, that game that sandwiched in there about whether or not they were going to look past it, coming off of two emotional uh, wins, putting a lot of energy out there. So I'm going to, I'm going to reserve a little bit here on Texas and wait and see a little bit of what happens next week. You're right, man. That is a huge game that's going to be happening next week for them in Oklahoma. Um, but I tell you what, I think this is going to be one of those games they're going to look back and say, yeah, uh, we, we might have been a little bit lucky to come away with a win, but it's that game, it's that one game or that two games of the season where you just got to uh, grind it out, work it out, and you come out of there with a win and you're just happy to do that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Let's transition to Oregon and California. So this was a battle of two top 25 teams. Oregon just runs through this. Not really much to talk about here. They took care of business off that, you know, and the only reason I want to highlight this is because of that letdown against Stanford. Right. They got back on the winning train. They can continue to move forward. 
it seemed like, you know, from the beginning, they had the offense gelling. They they pulled that quarterback still looking good, 16 for 22, 225 yards, two touchdowns, and they pulled this one out 42 to 24. Yeah, I'm with you. Not a lot to say about this one. I felt like that Oregon would come in this game mad. You know, they, they let's face it, they beat themselves uh, last week against Stanford. Stanford didn't really win that game. They uh, Oregon gave that game to them, and, uh, man, they came in it with something to prove. And uh, I, I would certainly say that they were able to put the points up to prove it. Exactly. So Michigan State, another team I don't buy, another team that's just floating in the top 25, you know, yep. lost that game to Arizona or Arizona State. It's one of those things that, I, again, I'm not buying them. They, they struggle with Central Michigan, you know, kept Central Michigan State in the game. They pick up the win 31 to 20. But again, Michigan State's the team I cannot get on board with. I don't know what it is about them. It's almost like me, with me and Stanford, it's just one of those teams I can't – It does. they don't do it for me. They were supposed to win this game. They won this game. Most people probably thought that the point spread would be a little bit larger than what it is, but uh, they came away with the win, and that's about all you can really say about the game. So let's get into the three big upsets. Yep. Um, or or if that's how you want to put it. Sure. Um, because, again, I, two of them I really don't call – big upsets one of them i would because of what they did last week sure um the meltdown they had last week um but overall uh, the ones that didn't take care of business overall seven ranked teams lost during week five obviously because there was a lot of ranked teams playing against each other yep but during that only three of those were considered upset so the first one let's go to the notre dame and stanford game again i was talking to you a little earlier don't know if we could really consider this an upset even though you know notre dame's number eight stanford's number seven Stanford coming off that big win against Oregon. But, man, Notre Dame, Ian Book, the freshman, comes in 24 for 33, 278 yards, four touchdowns, and they just – that second half, Stanford did – Notre Dame just put it to them. Absolutely. Uh, Once again, I I think you could kind of look back at, you know, history was kind of leaning itself towards Notre Dame winning against Stanford a little bit there. I, I think I learned a little bit more about Stanford when they, and that game against Oregon that I felt like they should have lost, and I think the rest of the world saw that they should have lost. Um, but they were able to come out of the win, so you didn't know if that would give them momentum or if that was going to be a letdown. And it looks like it was a huge letdown as they came in there to play the uh, Fighting Irish. Man, Notre Dame's defense. I, I, we're gonna. I think there a lot of conversation needs to happen around Ian Book and what he's bringing to that offense. There's a spark there, and it looks really, really good. He looks like he's the man for the job moving forward. But their defense really – uh, proved something to me as well. Uh, yeah, uh, I think they uh, they let Bryce Love get away from him uh, a couple of times there and let him kind of knock out a couple of chunks. But for the most part, they held him in check. They held that uh, that Stanford offense in check, and they were able to pretty much uh, dominate the uh, the offensive offensive defensive line there on their side of the ball. And that defensive front four really put forth a lot of effort. Yeah, and Dexter Williams, their Notre Dame's running back, actually, you know, outdid Bryce Love. Um, uh, you know. Th- majority of the game yeah. Bryce Love did, did pick up some chunk yardage um and, and it's hard to keep that guy bottled up sure I mean, I know he's a good state running back did. oh exactly San Diego State figured it out at the beginning of the year he's a great running back he's going to get his yards he will be playing on Sunday somewhere yeah. it, but it's one of those things uh, Notre Dame just looked like they were not going to be denied that second half and going into that game I was like man this is a great game to watch halftime very very you know, close going back and forth. And then that second half, it was almost a complete opposite of what they did last week against Oregon. Uh, they just didn't, they couldn't score the ball. You know, uh, there's something to be, uh, something to keep your eye on there too. It looks like Ian Book is developing quite the chemistry with Miles Boykin, uh, 11 receptions for 144 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that's something to keep your eye on there, man, because he went to him. He w- it looks like he went to him about a third of the times that he was throwing the ball. He was throwing it in Miles Boykin's direction and he was coming down with the receptions. So, I know this is not a game you want to talk about, but this I we were, <laughs> hey, hey, we were skipping this game. We were not talking about this game. So, this, man, we were both drinking the Kool Aid. You're obviously you're a Duke fan, and, and right. And but I've watched them play. I've been I've been following. I've been to a game. Of, uh, I'm going to go to a few more. And, and I just after seeing what Virginia Tech did against Old Dominion, I knew Bud Foster was going to have them ready. I, I thought it was going to be a real close game, but I really saw Duke winning this, and. I don't know what they were thinking by putting, you know, actually their QB one. Yep. It came back off of injury, but why? He, I know he didn't have that m- much time to practice, whatever, it, whatever the case was, but they just didn't look in rhythm at all. Right. 
So for those of our listeners that might not remember, he broke his collarbone a couple of weeks ago, and so he had a steel plate put in. And uh, you know, coming into this game, there was no there was no conversation that was coming around that he was going to be prepared to come back this particular week. Uh, there was conversation that he would be coming back at some point in time this season, but they kept it very quiet, kept it very hush hush. And then all of a sudden on game day, it's like, oh yeah, we're making the we're making the switch. And so you immediately start thinking, okay. One is his health. I mean, I'm sure that they're not going to play him unless he is, you know, medically cleared to play. But our backup quarterback had been playing so well over the last couple of weeks. Granted, uh, you know, you're, you know, <laughs> it was, uh, it was Baylor and who we've just talked about a few moments ago, and their defense not exactly being uh, good. And then it was also uh, NC Central. So I mean, it's not like he was playing against the greatest competition. And Virginia Tech was a big game coming into town. Uh, their offense never really seemed to click. Uh, that's a big question there, but. I, Man, I, I, we, you and I were texting back and forth as the game was being played. While I was not at all excited about the offensive effort that we put forward, I could not have been more sick about our defensive effort that we put forth. And the major thing that I kept seeing was is that let's be rem, be reminded that they that Virginia Tech's backup quarterback was playing. This was the first game that he was starting. He has some experience starting, but this was the uh, they the, the uh, their starting quarterback had broke his leg last week and so he is out for pretty much the season and so their uh, their backup quarterback uh, Ryan Willis is his name is uh, starting the rest of the way it looks like but he came in there and man, he would just throw the ball up in the air and Virginia Tech does have some big wide receivers but they would turn around and they would jump up in the air and they would catch it and you know what the Duke defenders would do they would be looking at the receiver every single time at no point in time did they ever turn their head around and on several of those things they could have knocked the ball away they could have possibly entered they were in better position many of those times to get the ball than the receiver was but they never turned their head around look I've got all the faith in the world against about David Cutcliffe man I think he is one of the greatest coaches in college football today but in that game right there we did not play well. Yeah, that secondary is going to have to do something. I feel your pain on that. FSU secondary is similar. I don't understand, you know, it's like how much film, how much practice they put in, and they go out there and just they continue to look at the receiver. The receiver, you can actually visually see the receivers like getting ready to leap or do something. <laughs> right. He's going for the ball, and then you continue to do what you do and don't even put your hands up in the way Whatever it is, you just let the guy catch it, and then you try to act. That's yeah. I, mean, I feel your pain on that, man. And and that and again, I was I was kind of upset that that the Duke secondary was allowing some of that stuff from this backup quarterback to go down, but it, it just wasn't Duke's night from the beginning, man. We were, I think, the score at halftime was seventeen to seven, and I felt fortunate that we were only down by ten. To be completely honest with you, we had uh, we had turned the ball over. Uh, we had not played well on defense. Our offense wasn't clicking. We had one good drive, and that was about it in the uh, in the first half. And so, uh, I felt very fortunate for us to be down only by ten going into the second half. Uh, knew, knowing that Virginia Tech was going to get the ball, and I thought, okay, we're gonna we can make some adjustments. And 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 once again. David Cutcliffe, great coach, great coaching staff, man. He, you know, he knows what he's doing, and so I'm going to continue to put in 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 Cutcliffe. I trust still, but uh, but I really thought there'd be some adjustments made, and there wasn't, man. That uh, once again, the secondary just looked like that they were they had they had not prepared well at all for this Virginia Tech offense. Well, Duke Duke's a good team. I'm not gonna, you know, it's one of those they had a letdown as one of those things. Typically, it's some it's similar to some of these other teams jumping in the top 25. They 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 get that momentum and they have that letdown. Unfortunately, it was this weekend against a, a Virginia Tech team that nobody really, you know, it was counting out. But they actually dropped back, jumped back in the top twenty-five, going coming up against a big game, you know, later in this week against Notre Dame. Yeah. I really think Notre Dame's going to take care of business there. I don't see, you know, Virginia Tech really causing too much trouble. Their defense is going to be a little bit of a problem to slow Ian Book down a tad, I think. But Notre Dame's just going to score too many points in that game. Agreed. So let's move to one more one more game for week five that, you know, kind of an upset, and we don't have to harp on this much because, again, another team I'm not buying is Mississippi State. They get ranked, bomb, they're going to whatever, they're going to flop. They did that against Florida. Florida doesn't particularly look good on the offensive side of the ball. They found out a way to win. This was a, a defensive game, obviously, 13-6. to yeah. six. Wasn't something that was too entertaining. I got so bored watching the first half that I didn't even I, – I wasn't even entertained or, or didn't even – Bat an eye at like, okay, let me check it out again. No, I just flipped the channel. <laughs> Whoever won, won. Florida won that game. Mississippi State falls out of the top 25, which is where they belong. Congratulations, Gator fans. You knocked off a top 25 team. That's about it. <laughs> so my thoughts for week five, man, the, my final thoughts, just again, 
Alabama continues to look ridiculously good. Notre Dame's offense seems to be clicking with that new quarterback in place. And like I said, I might have jumped on the Duke bandwagon a little too early, a little too soon, but but they're a good team. They're going to have a good year. So just hang in there with them, Duke fans. Um, uh, David Cutcliffe will ride the ship. Uh, kind of some of the takeaways that I got is uh, some of them that are similar to yours. I won't harp on it. You know, Alabama's still the class of the nation. Let them continue to go on. Georgia's got to get uh, – I feel like they got to kind of get begin to, you know, really develop their identity there and get their thing moving in the right direction. Uh, LSU is still, uh, you know, even though, you know, there's still some question marks seems to be around them, I think it's time for everybody to give them some their proper due. What in the world is going to happen with Clemson? Uh, we'll see what happens there. Several teams have still got some question marks by them. Kentucky moving up the ranks, man. It should be uh, should be an interesting uh, way to go the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. So let's let's transition in the top twenty five just real quick, and we'll talk about the um, week six, the the important week six matchups. But anything that jumps out at you particularly, other than NC State's rank, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really and Kentucky moving up to the thirteenth spot. Right. Um, I don't like Penn State falling. I, yeah. I, if anything, they should have stayed at nine after that game. But other than that, nothing really jumps out to me. LSU's sitting in a great position in the top five. Clemson, uh, after that that um, that game, maybe should have dropped a little more, maybe sure. not. But I see Ohio State after that win possibly being number two because Georgia's really on offense is just you know hit or miss, misfire. But their defense is still good. So anything right. that jumps out at you. Um, I don't know. I mean, some of those, some of the same things that are still sitting there, still jumping out, still jumping at me. I'm looking at Auburn as the uh, first one loss team, sitting at number eight uh, right now. And you know, we had a conversation just a few moments ago about you know who is this Auburn team? Uh, what are they? You know, what is it about them that doesn't make us want to jump on board with them uh, just yet? And so, just kind of seeing them as that first loss team, uh, first one loss team that's sitting there is kind of a big deal. Uh, Virginia Tech jumping back in there after a, a big win against a ranked Duke team, but yeah. also coming off of that loss against Old Dominion. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's interesting to see the team that has a lost Old Dominion being there in the top 25. So, you know, seeing, seeing some of that in there, Miami kind of beginning to work its way back up in there with a the game this week against a rival. So, it'll be, uh, you know, I think, I think for the most part, everything's kind of falling in place like most people thought it would. Some surprises up in there, uh, like an LSU working its way in there. I'm not an SEC fan like you, uh, but man, there's a lot of SEC teams in this top 25. <laughs> you're you're not lying. I want to I want to say six. I'm not going to count, and I don't want to really. I'm just throwing that off the top of the dome. But yep. my my thing for this and my only takeaway: Virginia Tech jumping in the top 25. Absolutely not. Shouldn't be there. After <laughs> I mean, I got it. I'm not yep. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. Was a big win against Duke, but that was an epic loss against Old Dominion. But I really think this is a way for Notre Dame to help pad their stats or numbers a little bit to say they beat another ranked top 25 team. You sure. know? So we'll see. I mean, it, I don't think they're going to have anything. That defense is good. They were not good against Old Dominion. Uh, I don't see, you know, if, if any bit of that shows up against Notre Dame, Notre Dame is going to just walk away with that easily. So some of the teams that dropped from the rankings, obviously number 20 BYU, number 22 Duke, number 23 Mississippi State, number 24, California, and number 25, Texas Tech. So they all dropped out. But, it, you know, again, they're in position to get back in. But the one game I do want to just – just that Kentucky at Texas A&M, that could be interesting. I tell you what, man, they're going down and they're uh, – to play at Texas A&M, man, that you know that that area, you know, that crowd is going to be hype. You know that that's, a, that's one of the toughest places to play in the nation. So, uh, man, I don't want to pick against Kentucky, but, I mean, that's going to be a horrible environment to try to play in. Oh, exactly. I think if Kentucky is going to lose a game this early in the season, again, we're almost midway through the season. But, I yeah. mean, if they're going to lose a game, this could be the one um, right off, the, you, know, early, you know, getting their first loss. I think Texas A&M, I, I almost would – I'm not going to – I'll reserve my pick for later. Sure. But, again, that's one of those things. If if, if them boys don't show up, that defense if, – if that defense shows up like they've been doing all year, they have a good chance, a legitimate chance. Um, but that running game is going to have to get going against Texas A&M. Texas A&M could give them their first loss. Yeah. And they got – and let's not – well, I mean, you know, we got – Texas A&M, there's, a, there's some, uh, a little bit of controversy surrounding them uh, right now as well with the uh, altercation that uh, Jimbo Fisher had with the player there on the sideline uh, as a, a, you know, knowing the guy was a uh, former coach there at FSU. You got any, uh, any insights into what's going on down there? 
man, I just I I've seen Jimbo in players' faces. He's he's a hands-on coach. He get, he 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 doesn't reserve his words. He he's one of the he's he's he, he'll get in your face and handle it. it. And I've seen him grab players by the face mask every once in a while. It doesn't happen much. I know he's had some controversy with some players from time to time, but he's a hard nose. He he's a getting your face coach. He's that he has that tough love, that old school mentality, sort of like you know the Bobby Knight and stuff. But it's one of those things where in this day and age, man, that cannot happen. He yanked that guy's mask way too long, and and, and I got it. A lot of people might not bat an eye at it. It's tough love, but man, you just can't do that. Um, you know, I'm. I'm I, you know, admittedly said to you or, you know, before we started recording the podcast that I hadn't done a whole lot of research to find out what transpired to cause that and what has been said or what has been done in the aftermath of that. Um, This is what I do know. You may have been able to get away doing that, you know, five, 10 years ago. That's not going to fly in today's culture, in today's world. You can get their attention in a lot of different ways. But the way, you know, you could even grab the face mask. I'm not even saying that, you know, that you can't you can't do that. But the, you're right. The way in which he did that, how long he held on to that, uh, it was uh, it, it was it was it was <laughs> it was rough looking. And uh, it, it's it's not going to age well at all. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I don't know if he's going to suffer any ramifications if the school or anybody's going to penalize him, or if anybody's going to take. I mean, some people might just see it as OK. Him coach being a coach. But man, as the head coach. I uh, don't know if that's a good look for him, especially sure. being his first year. Yeah. Um. And, and really, I, I again, I I can recall him doing a, a, a few things, but not anything to that extent. And I just think you probably went a little a little too far on that one. Agreed. So college um, game day, they named their location. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas that, with the showdown between Oklahoma and Texas. Should be a huge game especially if Texas, you know, can continue that momentum. They've come off three wins. They're, they've got it. If if they have, if anybody can have momentum right now, Texas has it. It's a great time to have it going in against Oklahoma because Oklahoma, the way they're playing or that offense is at least, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough day for Texas, I believe. You know, uh, obviously, man, with the way that Kyler Murray is playing, uh, man, that Oklahoma team is hitting on all cylinders right now. There's, I'm not, I'm not, you know, once again, we're not making the picks right now, but man, that is, uh, that, that Texas team, I'm telling you, man, uh, there's something there. They're, they're playing well, man. They're, they're starting to write that ship a little bit. They're believing. They are believing. And I'm kind of believing. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be a good game, man. No, regardless, it's, it's going to be a treat to watch. It's good to see Texas doing good. It's like, you know, when Florida State's doing good, a Miami, uh, you know, uh, the Texases are doing good. The Michigans are doing Like, you want to see that because that's what college football is. You know, the big-name programs being good again, and hopefully it is Texas's time to be good again. Absolutely. So this LSU-Florida game, this is, again, it's, it's if this could be one of those games that could sneak up and bite LSU, but I just don't see it because Florida's offense, I don't think they have one. Still, Florida being ranked 22 still has me scratching my head a little bit there. It's kind of like, eh, uh, we do remember them. You know, obviously that loss to Kentucky doesn't look nearly as bad now as it did when it actually happened, uh, but they still lost to Kentucky. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I am watching LSU play this season. I'm not picking against LSU ever again, period. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, until I they play, until they play Alabama. <laughs> yeah, until they. I was about to say, don't say never. Or until um, I get so, them in Washington together, and then I don't know what I'm going to do. So, so a game we we just mentioned a little bit about the Notre Dame Virginia Tech. That's another big game. Two top twenty five matchups. Um, and I, I just don't, I just don't think Virginia Tech's going to have anything. Especially, they're still going to be playing with their backup quarterback. I know he put up some good numbers against Duke. He's not going to be able to do that against Notre Dame's defense. I see Notre Dame running away with this one and, and winning an easy game. But again, I'll reserve my final pick after I do a little bit more research. But Notre Dame is just going to be too strong. Uh, one of the things that Duke struggled to do was put any pressure on Virginia Tech's quarterback. I don't feel like Notre Dame will have that same problem. I believe they'll be able to get some pressure on him uh, and cr- cause him to do some cause some mistakes in there and make some inerrant throws and uh, come away with a couple turnovers. So out of the top 25 right now, 
well, you know, what do you see um, with, with the top 25 that's in place, you know, and all the matchups for week six, who do you have on upset alert? Again, you don't have to, you don't have to make your pick, but just like out of the top 25, the teams, when you're looking at the top 25 right now and who they're playing, who do we got to look out on the upset alert? Well, you know, outside of the games that we just talked about, I mean, I think that there's certainly some conversation that you could have around Texas and Oklahoma, but we just had that conversation. Uh, I think you can also you know, have something to be said as well uh, against a couple other teams in there. But, you know, just kind of skating through uh, really quickly. Uh, you're going to hate me for this pick, by the way. You're, you're, you're going to laugh in my face as well as the other no, one. I'm as, as, with as, you because I know where you're leaning right <laughs> no, now. No, you don't. You I'm don't look, know. I'm you looking at you it. You don't know what I'm looking at right now. I could be looking you're not anywhere. looking at ASU right now. Dang it, man! Stop picking my picks, man. That's exactly who <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Golly, I mean, it's like I'm a, it's, it's like you're a fortune teller over there or something. Yes, I'm looking at ASU and I am looking at Colorado. Uh, Colorado sneaking into the top 25 with a 4-0 record right now. We're looking at Arizona State, man. Uh, I'm looking at that one. Uh, yeah, so that's certain. That's certainly one right there. I could see uh, potentially coming out of there uh, as well with a uh, with a win. How about you, man? What you what you looking at uh, on that top 25 list? Yeah, and I'm not going to take up too much of this time. I'm just going to say the Arizona Arizona State watching what they did. I don't know if you followed them this past weekend, but that running game, even mm-hmm. though their run defense was not great, they had a running back that ran up for over 300 yards. So um, they they got the offense clicking. They scored a lot of points in that game against Oregon yep. State. They looked good, and I really, you know, and if it. it Colorado just jumped into the top 25, so I can see Arizona State pulling an upset off. I wouldn't be mad about that. <laughs> but I knew, man. When I, I scrolled up, I saw I was like, I'm feeling it. I know what you're saying. What you, you're, <laughs> you're like, you're gonna hate me. Nah. I was I was I'm on board with you on that one. But how many times so, am I picking Arizona State this this season already? <laughs> yeah, I think our podcast is nothing but ASU, you know, like yes, everybody's exactly gonna, right. if you're an ASU fan, you're gonna love this podcast. Oh so man. Any, man again, like like last time, this this one probably ran a little bit longer. Again, guys, bear with us. We're still trying to get the format correct, trying to get everything. We we changed it up a little bit this week. Man, I enjoyed it. Thank you for jumping on. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man. No, this was a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. I think our listeners, hopefully our listeners are enjoying it. Um, getting a getting a little chuckle here and there, man, bringing up a little bit of uh, the fun stuff of college football, trying to focus in on the things that bring us a lot of joy out of it, trying to steer away from the things that we don't really, uh, that aren't really all that important anyway. So, uh, man, I'm, I appreciate you uh, hooking this thing up, getting us set up to go. Uh, thanks to Heroes uh, Media Group, uh, ma- making sure this happens as well. Excited to be a, be a part of everything. Yeah, brother. Thank you for for jumping on, man. And and guys, thank you so much for listening to the College Sports Hour podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, check out our first three episodes at heroesmediagroup.com forward slash college hyphen sports hyphen hour hyphen podcast. Also visit our website at collegesportshour.com where we continue the college sports conversation, post articles and give our weekly predictions on what we deem as the top 10 most important games of the week. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, McPherson Marketing Group. If you're in the market for anything digital marketing related, check them out at McPhersonMarketing.com. We also want to give a special shout out to all our family and friends who support what we do. Don't forget, guys, to join us next week for another episode of the College Sports Hour.